0: Hello listeners, Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: According to the police officer I spoke to, They went through a list of
0: questions in order to ascertain whether or not she was safe and determined that she was okay to be on her own on the streets of Victoria, barefoot in November, and they left her there. That was the last time anyone ever saw her.
2: You are listening to Emma Philippoff is Missing, a series by The Nighttime Podcast.
0: As I had explained in the prior entry of this series, we've begun a series of discussions with people who were close to Emma during various times in her life. These episodes will be presented chronologically based on which point in time our guests were most present in Emma's life. My belief is that in presenting these interviews in this way, we'll have a clear view of Emma's journey from childhood to the young woman last seen speaking to police shoeless and disoriented, on a busy Victoria, BC intersection on a cool night in 2012. So, with that as our mission, let's continue. If you recall, in part four of this series, we were joined by Emma's childhood best friend, Ellen, who generously shared her memories of Emma with a focus on the time spanning from elementary school leading into early adulthood. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, our focus will shift to the period of Emma's life after she left her hometown in Ontario, just beyond where we left off with Ellen. In the following discussion, we'll get a first-hand look at Emma's arrival to Victoria and the time immediately following it. To provide us with the necessary perspective on this crucial, yet somewhat mysterious part of Emma's life, we'll hear from the lifelong friend that Emma shared a modest apartment with upon her arrival in Victoria. tonight. In this episode of the nighttime series Emma Philopoff is Missing, we'll be joined by Emma's close friend, Michaela.
1: Lanark and our families were friends so our relationship was one of childhood friendship and then we would um, have distance but reconnect um, periodically throughout our lives um, right up until Emma came out to Victoria where she lived with me
0: I understand when when Emma first arrived in Victoria which I think was uh, late 2011 she arrived and landed with you living with you in your apartment is that right
2: That's
1: right. Yeah. So I was living out west, going to law school. I was with my partner Chris at the time. We'd reconnected in the summer of 2011 when I was in Perth, um, well in Lanark, and then we saw each other in Perth um, and reconnected. Emma said that she was considering coming out west, and I I'd let her know that if she did, she had a place to stay. Um, so she landed at our, our place when she first came to Victoria. That would have been in October, I believe, of 2011. And then she lived with us until um, the end of December. Though for part of that time, she, she had her own place just in the apartment next to our same building.
0: When she did arrive in Victoria, do you know what, what it was that brought her there and, and what her plans were? Like, what was the reason she, was, she moved there?
1: Um, She didn't have specific plans in terms of work or school or anything like that. She came out west, she said, because she felt drawn to Victoria. She would say that she felt it was the centre of something important, some kind of change that was coming. Uh, She didn't really get into details for her. I think it was just a feeling of being drawn to Victoria and there being some importance in her being there. So that was really um, Why she, I think at least that's what she expressed to me as the reason why she was was coming to Victoria
0: Now, can you describe your, your time living with her like when she was there with you in Victoria at this point about a year prior to her, her Disappearance, can you describe how she spent her time? What kind of things she was up to?
1: Sure um, She spent a lot of time by herself. Um, She wanted to be outside a lot. So she would go on these really long walks, like eight hours sometimes, um, all day, even sometimes at night for many hours. And she would go by the beach. She would bring back pieces of nature. So at one point she'd brought back so many rocks from the beach that she'd filled our table with this like elaborate quite beautiful design so she would just walk and walk um i know that i was sort of curious about what um what she was doing on these really long walks and i remember um she invited me once to come with her and she showed me uh that she was walking down the streets of the suburbs in Victoria and um, taking all the leaves that had been piled by folks who'd raked up their lawns, that were taking all the leaves and spreading them everywhere. So she felt that she needed to sort of spread the leaves over the streets, over the sidewalks. And she explained to me that for her, this was really important work that would help nature sort of regenerate, regrow. Um, Didn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, that's how she was spending her time, and for her it was important that she do this.
0: Did Did you have fear that, that her mental health was was deteriorating, or did this just seem like creative, adventurous Emma on a just an interesting journey? I
1: mean, for me, I was definitely concerned. Um, Emma had always been very creative. She always enjoyed being in nature. But the way that she spoke about what she was doing and sort of the way she was doing this um it did, she she seemed to feel compelled to do it like she would often talk as though it wasn't much of a choice um she was completely exhausting herself like she was barely sleeping and um just spending so much time walking it really did seem in the way that she was speaking about it that she felt like she had to do this mm-hmm. so I was concerned about her um I, yeah, I was trying to navigate sort of maintaining that close connection and being supportive, but also recognizing that her mental health did seem to be deteriorating. I was definitely worried about that.
0: Over the years, uh, from childhood up until the point that she was living with you, now appearing to act strange, do you recall seeing a a gradual change in Emma? Or or was it more of a a shock when she arrived and was doing this unusual stuff?
1: I remember um, when we reconnected, in Perth, before she came out west, you know, like like she, Emma's always been very creative and had very poetic. She's always kind of spoken in poetic ways. So there was her her ways of relating to the world when I first when I when we reconnected in in Perth were definitely getting they seemed quirky, quirkier than I remembered. But I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't concerned. I just it's like fun quirky Emma. But when she came out west, I think is really when I noticed a change because at that point some of the some of the ways that she was acting it, it didn't seem like she had she it was a choice she was making like i didn't think that she seemed happy to be going on these walks and to be you know spending her time like spreading these leaves and she would often stay up all night writing she yeah she was writing a lot of stories and for her the way she expressed herself she was really trying to sort of figure out what significance of Victoria was and why she had to be there and what change was coming she would often speak about a, something that was going to be changing soon um, but it was all very abstract yeah so I mean I was I definitely noticed more of a shift
0: in Victoria and I... this writing you talked about in the in the stories that she was writing did you have the opportunity to to read her stories like was it Fiction, like short stories, or was it more like the journaling, as I've heard it described, where she was kind of in poetic style, you know, outlining her day-to-day activity?
1: So yeah, I mean, she was journaling. Um, she did share one of her poems with me and with my partner. I, I remember it was a very, it was very emotional for her to share it when she, yeah, when she was sharing it, she was, she was shaking, she was crying. And she said that for her, she really wanted us to understand sort of the significance of it for her. And she felt, you know, because she she was she was very isolated. So she was living with me and my partner, spending a lot of time by herself or with us, but really in her head. And so this poem she shared that she wanted us to sort of grasp the significance of. Um, it was about her being the like the moon and. I can't, one of us being the sun, and it was, there was some significance in the way that we were connected to the cosmos for her, um, and the, like we were meant to be the center of some kind of change. So she'd really constructed this narrative of importance that that implicated us, and it, I remember connecting with my partner after and talking about it. And we, we were really worried, because it seemed to be beyond just journaling about her day to day in a poetic way but it really like it obviously shook her what what like the the meaning behind it which we didn't understand like I didn't understand what the meaning was and I think that upset her that I didn't understand it so yeah I mean it was journaling but it was it was much um, much
0: deeper than that
1: yeah it was more it meant a lot for her and in but it didn't make sense to me that I, was, I wasn't there, so I think it speaks to sort of what was going on with her, with her mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I was almost seeing a bit of a break from reality.
0: Did, did you reach out to anyone for, for help or, or confront Emma with, with what you were seeing? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I reached out to people that were close to Emma and um, let them know what I was seeing without sharing some of the really intimate details of what Emma was sharing with me I just sort of said that I was concerned and gave enough information to sort of convey what she was doing that would cause concern I also connected with some mental health resources to ask for advice on what to do um, and with some friends who who, who worked in that area and I mean essentially the feedback I got was on ways that I could um, try to intervene a bit, but obviously nothing can happen without Emma's consent. Um, I talked to Emma a little bit about whether she considered um, that her mental health was not good and whether she thought of trying to get treatment, but she wasn't very receptive. She, She said it would kind of hamper her creativity, and she didn't think that her mental health was really... A problem that needed any kind of medical intervention. She kind of wanted to keep doing what she felt she needed to do on her own. Um, so she wasn't very receptive to any kind of treatment or even recognizing that there was much of a problem. Um, yeah, so beyond that, I didn't really know what to do. I just tried to be as supportive as I could, um, you know, being there for Emma, talking to her. When she wanted to um, joining her on some of her walks, um, so just trying to be as supportive as I could be, not knowing what else, what else I should should be doing.
0: When she left your home to to live on her own. What was the, what was the reason for that? What why did she why did she move out with you? Um.
1: Well, so she was with me for just a few months, and initially, I found a place for her when I when she came to live with us. I thought it was just sort of a temporary thing, like we crash there for a little while until she got her feet under her. But as I was seeing her mental health sort of deteriorate, and um, she wasn't getting work or looking for work at that point so I actually helped find a place for her um, next to where I was living and I know she was in touch with her dad a bit so yeah anyhow she she was able to get a place she she wasn't working but I think she managed to pay for it for a little while anyways so so initially she was my neighbor when she moved out okay. um, yeah she was in the same building but she was my neighbor she had her own place after that the reason why we parted ways I actually had a job in the Philippines so I went there I moved to the Philippines and we fell out of touch until I came back about eight months later
0: okay during your time living with with Emma and Victoria and and immediately after she left did you know her to be involved with 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 drugs or, or alcohol or anything along those lines that would explain her her behavior
1: no, in fact, she steered away from it. Like uh, she said that it made her feel awful. Like so, she didn't she didn't take any drugs or anything. When I was with her, um, she was even really hesitant to put certain things, like certain foods, into her body. So I you know she had some issues with what she what she felt good eating, and, and and it would change too. But at different points, anything that was living or had been living, even I think at one point it even involved like a fruit of a tree. She didn't want to eat because she was worried it would harm nature. So she was eating very like a very limited diet and definitely not having any alcohol or drugs.
0: Other people who've spoke to me or have spoken about about the relationship with Emma described her being very private, but slowly going from private. To more so paranoid and in fear of people knowing, you know where she was and sh- what she was doing. Did you see the paranoia developing when she was living with you?
1: Yes, she was. Yeah, she was definitely very private. Um, it was obviously hard for her to share elements of her world. Um, as I thought when she did try to share pieces of it with me, um, and I saw the beginnings of of paranoia. She would sort of let somebody close, and then get really scared and disappear from them. Yeah, so I saw the beginnings of that—just not feeling, not feeling comfortable or safe around people, okay. um, and pushing them away quickly.
0: And when she she left from from your home, living as a neighbor again, you you left to go to the Philippines, and and I think you said you reconnected about eight months. Later. When when you returned to Victoria from from the Philippines and reconnected with Emma, do you know where she was living at that point?
1: So I came back in twenty twelve, in October twenty twelve. Yeah, I mean so I said we reconnected I emailed her. She she well, she initially emailed me in October. I emailed her back and I didn't I actually didn't know where she was living. I didn't apparently she was living at the, the women's shelter at that time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that, so I, I emailed her back and didn't, didn't hear back. And that's when I found out, I think not that long after, that she had disappeared. And at some point after that, I connected with her mom. Um, but when I did come back to Victoria, I was living with um, another friend. And yeah, I had I had sort of reached out to Emma on email, but we didn't, I didn't see her, she was... She had, by the time, like shortly after I'd emailed her, she disappeared. Okay. It, it, so it was really just that initial time in Victoria that I that I um, spent a lot of time okay. with her.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you've, you've learned a lot since her disappearance, but at that point when you returned home and you, you reached out to, to Emma, what do you know about her time in Victoria, from when she from when you left to the Philippines? Did you know that she was in a difficult place?
1: When I left, I um, tried. To, I think we. I tried to email her a bit, but I checked in with my ex a little bit to see sort of if he knew how how Emma was doing because they were neighbors, and I didn't get much news I think at one point he said that she'd left um, the apartment but I didn't know how she was doing um, very intimately I had a couple of friends that knew Emma as well in Victoria um, and they they would give me updates but their updates were just that she was working down by the harbor I think she had a job in um, a fish sort of,
0: Yeah, the red fish, blue fish.
1: Yeah, red fish, blue fish. Yeah, selling like little fish tacos and whatnot. So I was happy to hear that she had a job, and because Emma's, she she's always so happy and like kind and compassionate, seemingly anyways. Until you get to know her, and then you can see sort of a bit of her paranoia from time to time and whatnot. But on the, even when she's sort of struggling on the inside, she. Seems often to be doing well. And so the updates I would get was that just that she was working and that, you know, um, she seems to be doing well. And so I wasn't terribly worried. um Yeah, that's why, I mean, when I came back, I thought everything was fine. And I was, yeah, devastated and completely shocked once I learned that she disappeared and that she'd actually been living at um, a homeless shelter. I, I thought she had housing and. Yeah.
0: You didn't know it had gone that far.
1: No, I mean, she'd even went in her email to me. She seemed really good. Like, her update around how she was doing didn't indicate at all that she was living in a shelter. She seemed happy in her email. Like, in retrospect, I remember thinking, like, like, I don't know if she was reaching out without saying that she was looking for help. Like, uh, and then I started thinking after, like, I should have emailed her back faster. Offered a place to stay, but she did seem really well. Like she, you know, she didn't convey at all what was going on with her. So I, I didn't know. I was shocked.
0: Can Can you tell me uh, if you don't mind? Tell me about how you found out that she was missing. How did you get this news?
1: I found out that she was missing. Um, how I think it was through her, her mother. Um, I can't recall if it was it was through my family or her mother directly. It was kind of. A bit of a blur but it was definitely when her mother arrived that I found out
0: Were you involved in the, in uh, in Shelly's search for Emma when when Shelly was in Victoria doing that?
1: I, I spent time with Shelly I met up with Shelly um, and some of the team that were looking for her I, I think I put up a few posters and like shared information online and that kind of thing that my friends know um, who knew her and yeah, I mean, did the little bit that I could to help out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the middle of law school exams, too, so it
2: was, yeah.
1: I was struggling a bit. And it was, um, yeah, it was just so devastating. So, uh, yeah, I, I was invo- as involved with the search as I felt like I could be, mm-hmm. and um, just more wanting to um, support her, Emma's mom. Mm-hmm.
0: Leading up to to Emma's disappearance, as well as during her time living with you, many people talk, as I mentioned, about her paranoia and ideas that she maybe could have been stalked or been involved in crime or had some some types of problems with some people that could have been a danger to her. Were you aware of anything of this nature, like any reason for her to have a, a reasonable concern for her well being or any people that that could have been, you know, a risk for her?
1: When she was staying with me. I wasn't aware of anybody that could have posed a risk to her safety. I mean, she was really private and really hesitant to connect with people at that time. But she would also, because when she did let you in, when she did open up, I mean, she was really vulnerable and she was really compassionate. So she would make space for people and feel empathy for people, some of whom maybe weren't that well-intentioned um so i i i mean she would connect to some folks that seemed a little um, that i wasn't un- unsure of okay <laughs> um but it, i mean i didn't fear for her safety yeah no i didn't and i didn't feel like she was involved with anybody that was connected to any sort of um, criminal activity or anything like that. Um, I mean, and that could have shifted in the time that I was away. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Or, or during the shelter, she likely met people that you wouldn't have known her to associate with, I assume.
1: yeah, and she and I mean, she did she she did make space for everybody. like she would um, which I admired, you know? Um, but because of where she was at, um, I think it made her a little vulnerable. Like she had, she would connect to somebody who was, you know, struggling with homelessness or addiction, just as quickly as she would connect to somebody who was, I don't know, like a employed business person. Like she didn't discriminate. You know, she connected to all humans, all people depending on, you know, if she felt that that there was space in her in her heart for them. So I liked that about her, but I think it did make her a little vulnerable.
0: You mentioned these emailed updates that, that you had with Emma. Do you, do you recall roughly when your last communication was with Emma?
1: It was really shortly before she disappeared. I had yeah, emailed her and suggested that we meet up. I think it was actually within like days of her disappearing. And then I just didn't hear back. And then I, I, yeah, I got the update uh, that she disappeared. Um, and... Yeah, it was just horrifying.
0: this last met the last message that she that you had received from her was there anything unusual about it that would have you know set you off to be concerned, or was it just you know a typical message like the others you would have received from her?
1: It was optimistic, actually. Her me- her message um, it didn't raise any alarm bells for me. Um, you know, it was sort of like poetically written, like. Which is common way for Emma to express herself, um, but it was optimistic, and I didn't, I wasn't concerned. So, mm-hmm. and I think obviously she was holding back. Like I, um, yeah, we, when we were living together is when I felt like I really saw sort of where she was at at that time. Um, but yeah, when when she was reaching out by email, it was like. Quite un- it wasn't wasn't concerning at all, which yeah, so I know I didn't I was shocked when I learned that she'd actually that she disappeared and that she was so unwell um, leading up to her disappearance
0: you Now, when when people consider the where Emma is and, and her possible fate, s- some talk about her possibly suffering from severe severe depression. You just explained her last message to you as being optimistic. Did you see any signs of of depression? What you described to me, it it does sound like she was on well with the the manic behavior with with the leaves and some paranoia and whatnot. But did you have any reason to believe she was was actually depressed?
1: Well, when when we were living together, um, for sure, yeah, she did seem um, like really up and down. Um, And often when she was not in a good place. Like, yes, definitely depressed. Um, She, yeah, she seemed sometimes, like, she would sort of oscillate between manic behavior and what seemed like severe depression. Um, Yeah, and she just would sometimes, once she did get her own place, spend days inside. And, yeah, she... She didn't she definitely did at a point seem seem quite
0: depressed being close to her as you are and knowing so much about about her prior to her to her disappearance do you have an opinion on on what became of Emma and if so are you comfortable sharing it
1: I'd like to think that Emma chose to um Chose to leave and go somewhere um, that she feels good in. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that possibly she's maybe she's just hiding. I don't. That would be the best mm. scenario, I think. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, she was really vulnerable. Um, but I like to think that she's just hiding. Um,
0: yeah. I can't imagine how it must feel for, for you to have been there. You know, well, throughout her entire life, but especially so. You know, leading up to her her disappearance and reconnecting just just at the end. Uh, before she was last seen speaking to police at the, the end of November 2012. Can you just describe how how your relationship with Emma, you know, weighs on, on your mind?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, she's in my thoughts often. Um, after her disappearance, you, I, you know, you always think of the, like, what ifs. And for me, the main what if was what if I would gotten in touch with her sooner, or just suggested she come live with me again, or, you know, like, reached out more, and, yeah, I mean, she, thoughts of her and her family are with me, um, often, I, and it, yeah, I've journaled a lot about it, and written pieces for her, but so yeah, trying just trying to keep those thoughts positive and remembering, um, you know, a lot of the special moments we had um, together. Um, when we were living together, we you know we did have a lot of fun. We um, we painted together often. Um, she's so just trying to remember the like really fun creative parts of her and all and keep the positive thoughts of Emma alive and not just yeah i mean it's but it's of course it's awful it's awful what her what her family's going through so that is unavoidably part of the um, the narrative and the, the remembering but
0: okay um, yeah, yeah. is there anything else you'd like to share about Emma be- before we finish up
1: um yeah i mean Emma's just a really unique, special person. Like she, you, you, I've really never met anybody else like Emma. Um, she's very talented. Anything she does, you know, an amazing artist, an amazing writer, amazing photographer. She a cook. You know, she's she's somebody who really loves life and is just very creative. So she brings a lot of joy to people that she connects with um yeah she's a very she's
0: a very special person if you're still with me i want to thank you for joining michaela and i for this revealing and intimate look on this transitional part of emma's life considering the memories michaela shared I can't help but notice what appears to be an increase in Emma's eccentric behavior. Specifically, the unusual night walks. When considering how we heard Ellen and Julian describe her, the Emma that arrived in Victoria and lived with Michaela seems to be slightly more consumed by something. I'm certainly not qualified to speculate what, but it seems like she was burdened in some way. We'll continue following this narrative in the upcoming episode of the series. When the series returns, we're going to hear from someone who lived with an altogether different version of Emma. After leaving the apartment we heard Michaela describe living with Emma in, Emma found a new home after meeting another young woman in Victoria. On the next episode, our guest shares some memories that quite simply broke my heart.
1: I heard that she was living on a boat, and I just assumed it was our friend's boat. And, um, but she seemed very floaty. <sighs> like, she didn't seem as, um, like, on her tracks. Because of, like, she was always a, very whimsical. But she had, the, had this, like, really strong, fierce side to her as well. Like, she could put her shields up and, and be a tough lady if she wanted to. And, um, she seemed a lot more... I don't want to say fragile, but more fragile.
0: And with that, we'll conclude this episode of the nighttime series Emma Filipov is missing. But before we wrap things up, I have some thanks. First and foremost, I'd like to thank Michaela for so generously sharing such intimate memories. I certainly feel as though I'm a step closer to understanding Emma's story thanks to your insight. And I thank you for that. Next, a big thanks to Voxomnia and Paragon Cause for providing the musical and ambient themes for this series. And lastly, the biggest thanks of all goes out to everyone listening. Without you, the sun would have rose on nighttime years ago. For anyone out there who wants more nighttime, please consider supporting my Patreon campaign. For a dollar a month, you can access the ad-free premium feed, which provides early releases to the episodes. And then... For only a couple dollars more, you can access the Nightcap After Show, in which I and a guest climb a bit further down the rabbit hole than what you'll hear in the main episode. I actually have a really interesting Nightcap that I'll be releasing just after this episode. I'm joined by Tim and Lance, the guys you met in Episode 2 of this series. In the Nightcap After Show, Tim, Lance, and I break down the discussions with Ellen and Michaela, and of course provide our thoughts. Here's a short sample.
2: Like we were saying earlier, I can't really tell what's Emma being artistic or Emma being potentially unstable in some way. But the progression is it makes it pretty obvious, because where are you going to go? Where, what's going to happen next? Right, and as a, as a friend or you know, someone who's close to her, how long does it take before you start realizing this isn't somebody who's being... an an artistic force it this is actual uh, mental deterioration in and then what do you do do you I you know I how many people do each of us know remind us of Emma Tim and I have a mutual friend who lives on the west coast that I mean there's many times where I could probably say uh, he's, he's peculiar he does peculiar things but I would never say I would never say that he's got a, a mental deterioration happening. I think that he has ideas that he sometimes can't communicate because they're a little bit bigger than, than what's out there right now. You know, perhaps that's f- like frustrating to people like that. So what do you do?
0: If you want to hear this in my other supporter-exclusive episodes, you can access the premium feed by visiting patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, I want to thank the new members of the supporter group. Angelina, Jason, Patrick, and Heather Wilson, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't help financially, you can give me a big hand by telling your friends about me and by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Equivalent. If any of you listening want to stay up to date with my activities on and off the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I use the handle at NighttimePod. If you have any story ideas or want to give feedback on the show, I'd love to hear from you at nighttimepodcast at gmail.com. Now, until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and contact me on social media. And let me know your theory on Emma Philipoff's disappearance.
2: The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.
0: Somebody somewhere knows something. She didn't just disappear. She couldn't just vanish. Somebody has to know something, Jordan.
1: Somebody has to know something.